Class is in session. You're listening to Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshay. Let's go! Now, let's start the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for checking out today's show. This is episode 21 of the Squat University podcast. The goal with every one of these shows is to bring you as much value-packed content to help you move better in the gym and in life, decrease your body's aches and pains, and help you reach your true athletic potential. Now, today, I want to dive back into discussing squat technique and specifically cover one of the most common faults I see in the weight room and how you can start fixing it. So, the title of today's class is going to be Fixing the Rounded Back Squat. Now, the dreaded rounded back squat is one of the most common technique faults seen of all the technique faults. Ask yourself if this sounds familiar or if you've seen this with your own technique or you're a coach and you've seen this with one of your athletes. The setup of the squat looks good, the descent is looking smooth, but on the way up, the back starts to round and the chest hunches over, almost like there's a turtle shell on their back. I think we've all seen that before. Usually the main culprit behind this, we'll call it the turtle shell squat, is a lack of core stability. Now, during the execution of the squat, we require all the muscles that surround the spine to work together in perfect coordination in order to keep our back from buckling in two, basically. Without this continuous collaboration of all the muscles, the weight on our upper back alone would be enough to collapse the spine. So by itself, these stack of bones are not very strong at all. But when we have all these muscles that surround the spine working correctly, it creates a lot of stability that keeps the spine and our ability to maintain that spine in a good position very safe. So let's briefly talk before we get into the technique of how this happens and how to fix it. Let's briefly talk about a little anatomy and function of the core so you can get a little deeper understanding of what's actually happening and supposed to happen at least during the squat. So definition time. The muscles that surround your spine are considered the core of our body. I hope everyone knows that. But unlike what some fitness gurus on the internet and TV will tell you, the core is much, much more than just getting a ripped six-pack. It's comprised of, yes, the abdominal muscles on the front and sides, you know, your six-pack muscles of your rectus abdominis and your obliques, but it's also composed of the erector muscles on your back or your small QL muscle and also the big larger muscles, your lats, the front side, your psoas muscles, the hip flexors, those are a part of your core. It may also surprise some of you that the glutes are technically considered part of the core. Each and every one of these muscles must work together to enhance the stability of the spine. But what really is stability? A lot of people throw that definition out there, but do you really know what stability is? When muscles contract, they create force and stiffness, and it's the stiffness that is the most important factor in creating stability. Now, think of this. The spine's basically like a very flexible rod or a tower that needs to be stiffened with all these muscles in order to bear load or basically to keep it from buckling. That's the role of the muscles, basically. A good analogy I've heard before, and I like using it, is the comparison of the spine to a radio tower. So the next time you're driving by a radio tower, look up and see how many different wires, these guy wires, are coming from different parts of the tower and attaching and firmly fastening to the ground. 
If the tire or the tower wasn't held up by all of these small wires, it would surely topple over the next time a heavy wind blows through. So all those small wires, some attach low, some attach high, some are very long, some are very short. They all play a part in creating stability of the entire unit so it doesn't blow over or buckle. The same goes for our spine. If one or two of the wires of that radio tower weren't working correctly, the stability of the entire structure would be compromised. Just like the spine, or in the same way, the spine, when we look at it, each and every one of these muscles from the large ones and the small ones on the front and back and sides are equally important and need to be working correctly to create sufficient stability for our body's natural tower or spine to keep it from toppling over or rounding when we lift heavy weight. So now that we have this anatomy and function uh, definition and idea built up of how our core should work and how it creates stability of our spine, let's discuss how we actually build the core the right way to keep this rounded back or turtle shell squat on the ascent from happening. Now, like we talked about, we need core stability, but all too often I see athletes and coaches go about training the core in the wrong way. Many coaches are still under the impression that by strengthening the muscles of the core, stability is automatically going to be enhanced. For this reason, it's common to see athletes still performing things like endless crunches, hypers off a glute hand machine. Um, they'll maybe um, you know grab a um, a pull up bar or some rings and they'll you know do some leg lifts, things like that. And while these muscles of our core do need to be strong, isolation strengthening with rep after rep, where you're moving the spine actually does very little to promote stability that will carry over to helping us squat with better technique. So remember, core stability is all about timing and coordination to limit excessive motion of the low back, not create it. So if we have a problem in core stability, we have a problem in that back rounding as we're coming up from a squat, why would we train to try to create core stability by using exercises that move the spine? Corrective exercises for the low back, therefore, need to focus on how well we can maintain the spine in a stable position. So one of the first things you can do, uh, even while you're sitting in the car, if you are listening to this or walking, um, is to work on improving your perception of stability. Basically, you need to learn how to feel for the activation of the muscles that surround the entire spine, turning on and then staying on. And this comes from learning how to brace the core. So this is something we can get into another discussion about, but this is the bracing versus hollowing. Bracing is the way that you efficiently create core stability by turning on all the muscles of the spine. So bracing involves activation, like I said, of all the abdominal muscles of our core to create 360 degrees of stiffness around the spine. A cue that I like to use to create this brace is to uh, imagine that you're about to get punched right in the gut. You know, Mike Tyson's going to come up to you and punch you right in the stomach. What are you going to do? You're obviously going to tighten. You're going to batten down. Everything's going to get nice and hard and stiff. That is the feeling of firmness around your entire lower, lower torso that you want to create when you are doing a squat. So, you're driving in the car right now, you're walking, listening to this podcast, put one hand on the front of your stomach, on your six-pack muscles, put another hand on the sides where your obliques are, and I want you to brace your core like you're about to get jacked right in the stomach. What just happened? Ideally, all of those muscles all the way around should create a ton of stiffness and firmness so your entire torso is extremely tense. 
So if you are doing this incorrectly, you may have just felt the front side of your body, your six pack muscles activate. A lot of people will incorrectly just activate their six pack muscles, their rectus abdominis, because that's all they've ever known how to activate because all the fitness gurus out there told them that they need to get a ripped six pack. So they did endless crunches and different things and they never learned how to turn on the other muscles that are just as equally important in creating core stability. If you did do it correctly and you felt the entire torso stiffening up, you just activated your body's natural weightlifting belt. I just saved you $40 or more in uh, a weightlifting belt. Not that they're not important because I use one when I do lift really heavy, but it's important to learn how to create your body's natural weightlifting belt. And that's when you properly activate all the muscles that that surround the spine. So the next step is then learning how to breathe correctly for a weighted squat. So if bracing is coupled with proper breathing mechanics, especially during a heavy squat attempt, stability is going to be enhanced to an even greater degree than bracing alone. So if you watch any big, uh, you know, or any power lifters or any Olympic lifters before the, a very, very heavy lift, all of them are going to take a huge breath and they're going to brace it. Um, especially if you're watching uh, power lifter Ray Williams, he squats over a thousand pounds a number of times. But if you actually watch him before, he'll take the bar off the rack and he'll stand there and then almost do some deep breaths in and out. And then all of a sudden he's going to brace and then he's gonna go. You can see how important that breathing pattern is for creating tremendous core stability to allow you to increase that stability to a crazy degree and maintain your back position when you have heavy weight on your back. So try this simple cue the next time you get under the barbell. You're gonna take a big breath and you're gonna feel for where that air is going in your stomach. Now, obviously, the air is not going into your stomach, it's staying in your lungs. But when we think about belly breathing or taking a big breath and your stomach expands expands a little bit forward and into the sides into your ribs, you're efficiently recruiting your diaphragm, which is this sort of thick, flimsy piece of tissue that separates your lungs from your abdominal cavity. And whenever you take a huge breath into your stomach, it increases your intra-abdominal cavity volume by using that diaphragm. And then when you brace over the top, like someone's gonna punch you, so you take a big breath, you brace your core, and when you do those two together, you increase your intra-abdominal cavity pressure like crazy, which is the most efficient way to stabilize your spine, especially when you are lifting big weight, and that is going to efficiently allow you to lift that big weight and not allow your back to round basically. Now, once we develop this good awareness of core control and stability, we then need to translate it to functional movements or corrective exercises, especially for those people who have a very tough time not allowing their back to round on the front or on a front squat or a back squat. But a great way you can train this is with a zombie no hands front squat. So what you're going to do is you're going to get a bar on your chest, and at first, I mean, just use the open bar. Take it out of the rack. You're going to put your hands straight out in front of you, and that's the starting position. Obviously, like a zombie walking around, your arms are right out in front of you. Your hands are not supporting the bar at all. From here, you're going to breathe, you're going to brace, and then you're going to squat. Now, the goal is to squat to full depth while maintaining that good upright position. Now, here's what happens is if you get all the way down there, but on the way up, you don't maintain sufficient core stability, 
your chest is going to round, your back is going to cave over, and that bar is going to fall right off your chest. So the zombie no hands front squat is a very self-limiting core stability exercise because you can only lift as much weight as is possible without losing your technique. Now, obviously, in order to get into that good bottom position and to stay balanced, you have to have a couple prerequisites. We obviously have to have the ability to have good ankle mobility to allow our chest to stay upright enough to even perform this. Because if someone has really limited ankle mobility, they're not going to be able to get into a good front squat position no matter if their hands are on the bar or not. So obviously, have the prerequisites to be able to do that first. But If that is something you can do, the zombie no hands front squat is one of the best uh, corrective exercises that doesn't really look like something you're just doing off on the side. It looks, it's mimicking something that you're doing in weightlifting. And for that reason, it can be one of the best at actually translating the stability you're trying to build into your actual training. As much as I love different exercises for corrective uh, at learning core stability, like the bird dog exercise or the side plank and things like that. It obviously can only carry over to your full lifts so much because it doesn't mimic the exact type of lifting you're doing. So eventually, the almost the last stage, I guess, to fully get that transfer of good core stability into your lifting, you have to use exercises that are going to mimic the actual end result of what you're looking for. So that is why the zombie no hands front squat is so good. Now, Obviously, you can just start with an open barbell, and as you get better, you can use more and more weight. With something like this, I usually don't like doing more uh, than sets of three to five just because it's fairly fatiguing. Um, I like going a little bit slower and sometimes using pauses at the bottom. For most people, if you have been doing front squats for a while, you have fairly good balance, your mobility is good to be able to get down into the bottom of the squat, I would probably start training the zombie no hands front squat as a corrective exercise, either warming up for your regular front squats or maybe on an off day where you de- you don't need a ton of load, but you're just working on your positioning. Um, I would maybe start with about 50% of your best front squat and then work up from there. Um, ideally, remember, the goal is the technique and the ability to maintain your back position the entire time. So if you really want to challenge yourself, you can go heavy in this, but I'd also make sure you're lifting at a place where they're okay with you dropping the weights because eventually you are going to hit an end range with this where uh, your back is eventually going to round and you may have to drop the weights and you don't want to be in a gold's gym where there's a bunch of metal weights and you're going to cause a huge commotion and someone's going to get really pissed on you and kick you out of the gym. So make sure you're lifting with some bumper plates and at a gym that's okay with you dropping the weights if you do have to round and drop the weight. So um, this is something that eventually you can build weights up. I've personally gone up to close to 90% of my best front squat with a one rep zombie no hands front squat. And I think in my own personal history, I remember maybe about six years ago, I was running into an issue where uh, even on my heavy cleans, I was really coming out of the bottom of the hole with a little bit of a rounded back. And the zombie no hands front squat was one um, corrective exercise that really helped me um, recorrect and reprogram the way I was moving for good core stability. So that is it for today's podcast on fixing the dreaded rounded back squat. So remember to go back over everything real quick. The issue is often because it happens on the ascent. 
Everything looks good on the descent, but on the way up, the back rounds. Either it's a front squat or a back squat. The issue is often core stability. To have good core stability, we need to learn how to brace all the muscles that surround the spine. They need to activate together to create 360 degrees of stiffness. Once you learn how to do that, it is then applying good breathing mechanics on top of that. You're breathing into your stomach. Don't do it too much to where your your back arches, but enough to where you're expanding your stomach forward and to the sides. You're then bracing over the top of that like Mike Tyson's going to come up and punch you right in the gut. When you have that much stability, you need to hold it and maintain it through the entire squat. One last thing that just popped into my head that's a good idea to go over. A lot of people will ask, how long should I hold my breath? Should I hold it through the entire rep? When should I let it out? Opposed to what many people have taught in the past, you don't breathe in on the way down and breathe out on the way up. If you let all your uh, breath out on the ascent of a squat, you're going to lose that core stability too soon because we talked about holding that air in is what creates that intra-abdominal cavity pressure. You don't want to start letting your air out, letting that exhale start until you're about halfway up in the squat past that sticking point. So for some of you, this rounded back squat may be something that you are letting your air, you're exhaling too soon and that's why you're losing your core stability and the rounded back is happening. So breathe, brace, hold that breath as you go down, come out of the bottom. Once you're starting past that sticking point, which for most people is about halfway up, you can slowly start letting your air out until you're all the way up at the top. That is how you fix the rounded back squat. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's show and were able to take something away from this to help fix your own technique or the technique of others who you are coaching. Remember, it does not matter how much you lift. It matters how much you lift well. If you don't take the time to fix problems in your technique, it doesn't matter how strong you are or how many awards you win in the short term. It will come back to bite you in the end and you will end up with an injury and the inability to use your body as you age. Yes, I want you to perform well uh, as you're younger and in that competitive stage, but I also want you to be able to use your body when you're 60, 70, 80, 90. And I hope you guys are still lifting big weights with me when I'm 90 years old. So hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, until next week, guys. Happy squatting. That's it for today, class. On Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshig. For more exclusive content, log on to squatuniversity.com.